The Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129 presents America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture with Father Matt Malone and Carrie Weber. Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. I'm Carrie Weber. And I'm Father Eric Sundrup, uh, filling in for Father Malone. And each week we offer you the news and analysis from the intersection of the church and the world gathered by our team at America Magazine. And one of those team members is here with us today, Vivian. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me again. I'm excited to be here. We are so glad to have you. Uh, and later in the show, we will be talking with Kaya Oaks, one of our contributing writers uh, based out in the Bay Area in California, who has written an article for us about single mothers and the Catholic Church. Uh, it's based off of a few statistics that we found in our survey of Catholic women uh, at the beginning of this year. So, Kaya Oaks, welcome to the show. Hey, you uh, Thank you so much for joining us. We're always glad to have you on. Yeah, it's good to talk to all of you. Uh, so I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about how you uh, went about researching this article. Well, first I started with the survey that you were just talking about and the data talking about these women feeling that they weren't welcome. So I, st- I wanted to unpack what that meant and what that looked like on a one-on-one level. Like What happens when somebody says, I don't feel welcome in a community? What's causing that? Is it them um, being actually rebuffed uh, or is it more of a culture that's not accommodating their needs um, particularly for mothers as you as you know Carrie um, child care is a huge issue and for single mothers it's even more of an issue because you can't pass the kid over to somebody else mm-hmm. as easily um, and so I started with that kind of question of like what would it mean what does it look like? What is the experience? And so I just, um, I sent around some emails and to uh, women I knew who were single mothers. And then I also heard from a few people just through uh, friends of friends and just started to gather stories. And that's how I got started. Uh, And so what were the stories that you were coming up with? Well, it was interesting. A lot of people that I initially had approached decided not to speak to me because they were afraid that they would lose their jobs. Um, They were working for Catholic schools or Catholic churches and their single mothers. And in some cases, they were worried that if they if they if it was discovered that they said anything critical that they would be in danger of losing their jobs and i found that kind of distressing um but uh the ones who did open up to me i was really grateful to them uh one was a widowed woman and one was divorced and i think um they both had one was a little older and one was a little young one in her 60s one in her 30s so it was great to get that cross-generational conversation and then I also found a Catholic single parents group in Austin Texas and talked to the woman who coordinates that Um, and she's worked with that group for a number of years and so she's seen a lot of different people come through a lot of different experiences what were some of the biggest uh, challenges that these women expressed to you about their relationship with the church and the way that they felt um, they were received or not? A lot of it just has to do with that issue of not being, they don't feel that they're being recognized. And so the a number of 
people I spoke to on and off the record said things like, you know, I feel like a second class citizen or that I just don't exist or I feel like I have to stay in the back because, you know, I have to, if the, if my child needs to go out and have a snack or go to the bathroom, like I have to sit in the back because I, I'm going to disrupt people if I leave otherwise. And just even from, Stuff like being told, and then more kind of abrasive comments and people saying that priests were saying uh, that they wouldn't baptize their children, you know, because they weren't married, um, or that they didn't even, uh, like, trying in the process of trying to get a, a marriage annulled, like not getting a call back from the diocesan office that would do that, and just feeling like a non-entity at that point in time or just a problem. Um, and so in those cases, you know, um, in some cases it pushed people out of the church altogether, and in other cases they just had to go find a different parish where the priest was more uh, welcoming or accommodating. Yeah, I mean, in the article you, you quote that, that line from Amoris Letizia that Pope Francis has, a, a pastor cannot feel that it is enough to simply apply moral laws to those living in irregular situations as if they were th- stones to throw at people's lives. And what you're describing is ex- exactly it sounds like just a, a lot of a lot of that happening all over the place. Um, yeah, it's really unfortunate. I mean, Eric, you know, you I know Eric from when you were in grad school in Berkeley, and you know the churches here are pretty welcoming to lots of different kinds of Catholics. But even I mentioned in the article, even at um, at the campus ministry for UC Berkeley Parish. Um, they got a call one day from somebody who had, you know, a single mom who had asked to have her baby baptized at another church in Berkeley, and the priest there said, no, you know, I won't do it because um, you're not married. And um, and it's just really shocking to hear stories like that in 2018, um, or 2019. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, so the year changed in, in Berkeley as well, right? Yeah, we're we're like we're we're like two years. It's actually uh, a year behind the West Coast, not three, or the East Coast, not three hours. Um, but uh, but I just I found that kind of like when I heard that story anecdotally a few years ago, I was just shocked because I know so many uh, women who are Catholic who are divorced, widowed, never married, and 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 who are moms and. And I thought, wow, is that kind of attitude still present? And it turned out it is. Um, maybe not. Uh, maybe part of the reason we don't hear those stories is because people, it happens, and people are so ashamed or shocked that they never tell anybody. Mm-hmm. What What can we as lay people do to help um, facilitate these discussions and to start these groups? And a lot of the... Um people you spoke with who didn't want to come on the record like how can we as members of those communities um what what can we do to help like support these single mothers and get those groups um started for example i think one thing that the people from st thomas more in austin texas talked to me about and they've had a single parents group that's been going for since 2003 uh one thing they talked about was simply if other people in the parish could be advocates for single parents. So in other words, if there's a parents group or a children's ministry, if the people who are married and have um, 
you know, a spouse could speak up on behalf of the people who don't have that, mm-hmm. that it oh, it tends to move things and help open doors. Yeah. Um, and then they talked about issues like just simple acknowledgement. So like in, including single parents and single mothers in particular in prayers of the faithful, including them in things like if your church is going to celebrate Mother's Day, which even though it's not a liturgical, um, (laughs) it's not on the list. Like like all the churches I go to seem to celebrate Mother's Day. Um, So if you're going to do that, you know, make it clear, like anybody who is taking care of children, uh, you know, can come up and not just the married mothers. Um, And then childcare is so huge. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just really is such a make or break for a lot of women who want to go and be part of a faith community. And again, if people who are in married families go to the priest and say, you know, there's three or four, 20 women in this congregation who want to come to mass, but they can't because they're single moms. And, but, you know, let's see if we can help them. That, that helps a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, I was moved by your uh, description of this group and the the ways in which it really tried to talk about all different aspects of people's lives. So it has speakers on, you know, finance and psychology and legal issues, health, budgeting, as well as the spiritual side. Um, it's a nice recognition of sort of the full, uh, the people who are parents remain people and not just, uh, they have like multiple aspects of their identity uh, and that all of those need to be tended to and that the church can be a place uh, to do that. That's right. It's a more holistic kind of approach. Like what they say is emotional, practical, and spiritual is the three things that that single parents particularly need. But I think you're right. I think parents in general, well, human beings. Right, exactly. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but that, that the practical part, I think churches are generally pretty good with spiritual, um, but with emotional and practical they can sometimes have gaps and maybe that's some some of that's connected to things like the priest shortage that you all were just talking about and you know the the gaps in pastoral availability of staff but um but i think the practical and emotional stuff can be put in the hands of lay groups a lot of the time and they do a pretty good job with it so in other words something like the single parents group is something that can be started by and run by lay people at a church uh, as volunteers um, or possibly if you could pay them that would be great Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, but what that does is it also gives them a sense of self-agency that helps boost the emotional support in other words like we can take care of this we're doing this and they feel better about their place in the church as a result. Yeah, I imagine there's there's an added authenticity authenticity to it in if it's done in that way. And as you're right, it's simply having a place to sort of feel acknowledged and accepted is support and supported is really enough to actually just help create change and help make people feel welcome that it doesn't have to be too extensive. It can just be, you know, making sure that people are heard. Exactly. And so if the if again people are recognized that again helps them to feel like they can be um heard as well. And so it just starts with just acknowledging the fact that there are so many women, um, you know, we're talking about the United States in particular, but it's millions, millions and millions and millions of women who are in this situation. 
and um and that we need to start with acknowledging that I think the data was like ten million over ten million women, so you think about that number and that's that's not a small number no exactly. um, but uh, yeah, I can't think of a time when I've ever heard uh a homily that talked about this at church or that I heard again there's those mother's day um mass you know at where they explicitly said, you know, come up and be recognized as a mother, even if you're a single mother, even if you're a foster mother, like that, that kind of thing. It just doesn't happen. And so just starting with simple stuff like that opens the door for more encounter that gives people the agency to feel like they can speak up for themselves. Right. And to really build that community that's needed. I th- I, w- I wanted to actually talk about and ask you a couple of questions about um, if you got an impression of what um, what you know from my perspective as a priest what priests are, can are doing well and what they need to change because there's there's you have a quote here from from Donna that I think is just it's it's very moving she said you know she said that clergy seem afraid to uh, offer help because of a misplaced fear of glorifying divorce or glorifying premarital sex is that something you heard from people and this is then we need to talk to priests about how to be able to address this and and provide the necessary pastoral care uh, and and not be, be held back by those fears or those worries yeah i think a lot of it comes down to even simple stuff like those mother's day homilies right like yeah. you're talking about when i said don't do it i was sort of half joking <laughs> and then i thought to myself like it's kind of related to why are, why do we have fourth of july homilies and you know and um it's sort of like it's a hallmark holiday that that has brought or valentine's day that and it doesn't really it's not that it doesn't belong in the church it's not that we shouldn't celebrate mothers it's just that the way that they're worded and the way that they're framed a lot of the time are very alienating to lots of women who can't have children Mm -hmm. uh or you know um just never got married or whatever Mm -hmm. and then it just also this kind of like what donna said is that sense of like they this fear that if you are too welcoming to single mothers that you're glorifying divorce or premarital sex and and the truth of the matter is that those things are going to happen no matter what (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um it's just that they will happen and a, a human being is not the sum of their mistakes um, and um, so I think that it's just a matter of pastorally thinking about being um, acknowledging that people have lots of different experiences and acknowledging that the bottom line is that uh, that Jesus welcomed people from all kinds of irregular situations um, and that it's okay to use that as a starting point. So if that makes any sense, hopefully it does. I think that's why I ended the article with the idea of, I think one thing I return to a lot as a Catholic woman is the Samaritan woman and how she's actually the first person to go forth and spread the good news uh, before anybody else. Mm -hmm. And um, that she was, you know, the woman who had five husbands. So I think that's a really interesting starting point right there and i don't think it i don't think that when that gospel's read that there's that the um i've never heard a a sermon on that gospel that said like don't be like her (laughs) yeah and i do think um something as simple as just having a homily that is 
a Mother's Day homily. Um, I will speak from experience. My parish in Texas for Mother's Day, we do have at the end of Mass kind of a blessing for all mothers. Um, like mothers who have lost children, mothers who are pregnant, spiritual mothers. So we do enco- encompass um, kind of what it means to like be a mother, to, to um, just to be a mother in general. Um, and that build adds to the kind of a culture of life and of recognizing that family situations do vary. There isn't like a, like a set structure to what it means to be family. And that makes all the difference in, in the community and helping like women and mothers feel heard and acknowledged, which is what you mentioned. It's as simple as acknowledging that these situations exist um, and something as simple as just saying, I acknowledge that this is what, what is happening can make a big difference. Absolutely. And I think I heard once at a Mother's Day um, mass, like they also invited up people who were teachers and nurses and and who did uh, worked in fields that uh, were compassion based or um, and so that actually, you know, therapists, whatever. And that actually made it, it was so nice to see people going up who were men, too, because we should also acknowledge the fact that men are single parents as well sometimes. There are single fathers in Absolutely. our society. Um, but also that men possess what we might call mothering qualities and that um, that we shouldn't keep them so separate. And one of the stories I appreciated in your article was the story of Donna, who uh, felt you know very disconnected from the church and then eventually left the church but also came back. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about her journey because um i i think it's it's a hopeful one yeah so she was divorced so she had lapsed from the catholic church in her 20s and then um she got divorced and uh her child as a result of that she was not in the, she was brought up catholic and then was divorced had a baby and then was divorced and so as a result the child wasn't baptized and so she decided she was feeling called back to the church for the um, just, you know, feeling like wanting to be part of it again. And so she uh, went to the pastor and said, I want to have my child baptized. And he said, well, you're going to have to annul your first marriage uh, in order to do that. And then she calls the archdiocese office and they never called her back. So, um, so thankfully she was persistent and I believe that eventually she was able to get through <laughs> and, and get the get that annulment rolling. But one thing that she experienced was that when she was a single mother, she really felt like life is so hard anyway. And she has this quote where she says, you never get a break. You can never rest. You can never step back. And I find that that's like my mother was a single mother too. So like I find that empirically I saw that in my own mother's life. So I, when Donna said that, I was very, you know, I thought, yeah, that's really true. Um, and so uh, she eventually started to come back to the church, and then she met a, a guy, and she got engaged, and they are planning to get married in the church, and she's pregnant uh, with her second child. I think her baby is probably born by now, actually, so congrats to her. She was super pregnant when I interviewed her. Um <laughs> But she said that she felt like she was trying to get her first marriage. No, she wanted to get married in the church for her second marriage. She wanted her her baby to be baptized, her baby who was recently born, I think. 
Um, she felt like a lot of it was just maturity, like growing into being a mature Catholic and understanding that that she could be um, she could be a mother and be Catholic. She could be a single mother and be Catholic, or she could be married. But that it was just a lot of growing into having a a spiritual life and wanting that badly enough to jump through some hoops um, yeah. in order to do it. Her yeah. persistence was admirable because I think this is where the church can sometimes be at risk of just losing people forever when they, it seems like sacraments are almost, you know, bargaining tools to get someone to do something else, which is not a healthy way to, to look at that. And a lot of people start to come back to the church for the first time in a while when they want to bring their kids to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to mm-hmm. turn them away at that stage could be turning them away forever, right? This could, this is, if this is your first yeah. impression of the church in a long time, and it's not a good one, and it's a lot of, you know, hoops and red tape, then you're, you're, you, you could be just turned off completely. Yeah. I, there's there's so much of this too that you know sinners are welcome that's it's actually mm-hmm. what the church is there for right, right? and so, and and th- also we don't define people at, you know by their sins we define them as human beings that are that are loved and if pastors don't find ways to get to know these people they're not going to know how to properly care and be pastors uh, for for the other people that are in similar situations and so it's so crucial to set up that ability for these people to be at the church and talk to people and make their presence known. So you can help a, a whole lot more people as well. I just, I just, I get so concerned when we we shut down the ability to to, to live the gospel over. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of it just begins with removing the stigma. Um, the fact is that there are a lot of women in this situation, and it's not something that. I, I just feel like let's get rid of the stigma and just say, like, here you are. Thank you for coming rather than you shouldn't be here because you did this thing. You know, it just doesn't make sense to start with the latter kind of version of it. So just removing some of the stigmas around single parents in general is a really great idea. But you're right in that it's pastoral, too. It's just a matter of, like, they should feel open about that and not feel like they have to sit in the back and hide. So, yeah. Yeah, it's about it's about creating that broader community that, that brings everybody in. That's That, as, as Father Eric was saying, you know, we don't have to be perfect to approach the church, and none of us are. And, uh, you know, I think that's been pretty clear lately. So it's it's good... Uh, to have people with all experiences coming together. So thank you so much, Kaya, for your wonderful article. We really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thank you again, everyone. Take care. Uh, so if you want to read Kaya's article, you can go to americamagazine.org slash serious, how the Catholic Church can help single mothers. You can find all of our content there uh, at americamagazine.org slash serious. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can subscribe to the magazine by calling 1-800-627-9533. Uh, and you can listen to us again next week. For Father Eric Sundrup and Vivian Cabrera, I'm Carrie Weber. Thank you and good day. Listening to the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.